This is a Soulfire production. Yo, everybody, welcome. It's Connor Wanders. We're back. And I want to apologize for our brief little hiatus there. I think it's been about a week since the show came out. We had a little family emergency that had to be taken care of. And you know what they say, family before content, right? But uh, there's been no shortage of things that have happened. And the world seems to get be getting crazier and crazier, which, you know, is unfortunate for a few, but very fortunate for me because it gives me something to talk about and it gives us something to think about which we'll be doing on this episode. We're going to break into some outrageous claims and some internet censorship from a woman named Dr. Stella Emanuel. Have you seen the woman um, raving and ranting about a COVID cure? That's her. That is her, and she is something special. We're going to get into all kinds of stuff. Maybe even talk a little bit about demons and demon sperm. Um, what else we got? We got... Some fuckery going on with the Republicans and some stimulus bill stuff that's quite odd. And, of course, of course, you know we're going to talk a little bit about QAnon and Twitter. Uh, some new things that have come down the pipe as far as what Twitter's doing to get a handle on the QAnon user experience. Um, so we're going to break all that down for you. And on something to think about, we're going to talk about, and think about, obviously, um, the intolerance of the left. The liberal intolerance that has taken a hold of our nation. So, man, we're just going to shit on Democrats and Republicans all day today. And crazy people. And QAnon. What the fuck else do you need in a, in a podcast? Making fun of QAnon. Shitting on Republicans. Shitting on Democrats. And, of course, a little demon spiced in there as well. But I want to remind you how important it is for you to head over to Apple Podcasts. And make sure to subscribe. And leave a review. Just just so I feel good about myself. People know this podcast isn't is it shit. And if you think it's shit, why are you listening to it? I don't even know. Why would you do that to yourself? Doesn't make any sense. Sounds like some shit that, uh, you know what? Not even going to go there. Not going to go there. If you don't like it, stop listening. If you do, Apple Podcasts, five-star review. Appreciate it. And tell somebody. Share it with a friend. Find us on YouTube. Connor Moore on YouTube. I'm there. Subscribers are climbing. Things are going well. Who knows? Maybe one day I'll be internet famous and, uh, you know, debating with Charlie Kirk at Politicon 2022. Maybe we should just make that a, we'll make that a goal to be on stage on a panel, Politicon 2022. Why the fuck not? Right? Let's do it. Or maybe I'll just be in my forerunner recording fucking podcasts out of the back. Like some, it's like some broke dick podcast hack. Maybe that's all I am. Who knows? I'm not, I'm not the authority on who I am. You are. So anyways, uh, it's a few things going on. Um, oh man, shut up Slack. People are sending me Slack notifications right now. Get out of here. They know I have better things to do than this. Time to work right now. Crazy people. Crazy. Anyways, there's been some QAnon rumblings. QAnon has caught fire quite a bit. And I want to let you know that I will be doing an episode dedicated, at least one episode dedicated to the history of QAnon. Um, some of the popular theories, some things they've gotten I guess, rights, the many things they've gotten wrong. Um, and that's requiring a lot of research. So I've been putting a lot of stuff out on social media saying like, hey, do you want this? People do. They're hungry for it. They're thirsty for it. They're dying for it. But uh, it's going to take time. I anticipate at least a month of time. Now, for all of you that don't know this, I'm going to enlighten you. I'm going to be gone pretty much the whole month of September, um, whole month of September, Elk hunting because, you know, uh, that's that's what I do to express my toxic masculinity as I chase poor innocent animals through the mountains. But uh, maybe what we should do is, and just let me know if you like this idea, I can pre-record those and drop those out during September while I'm gone. And I will not have any cell phone service. So uh, I will be unresponsive to the thoughts and, and respond. <laughs> <laughs> takeaways from the QAnon series. We'll do that. We'll do that. I just, I, you know, we're brainstorming here together and I like that as well. Also, I wanted to let y'all know something we're not going to talk about today, but that I've seen pop up on my phone a little bit, just didn't have time to get into it before this episode. Trump seems to be wanting to uh, delay the election 
um, seemingly until he dies. So <laughs> that's going on right now. Keep that in mind. Um, but I would really like to see a delayed election, honestly, in, in some ways. And, and, and maybe here's my here's my thoughts, just surface level thoughts on the delayed election. Um, and right now what we have going on, and, and I firmly believe this, Republicans really have um, no incentive for rioting, chaos in the streets, you know, that whole narrative they're pushing. They have no, no incentive for that to end. They actually have an incentive for that to continue going. And I feel like that's why you're seeing Trump talking about bringing in, you know, law, law and order, rule of law, blah, 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 blah. He just like keeps that. That's his thing. It makes the Republicans seem important um, to be able to like mitigate whatever chaos in the streets uh, that they are pushing as their primary narrative. And they have no incentive for that to end unless it ends right before the election, right? Right before people start voting. Um, very interesting situation there. And then on the on the left side of things, the Democrats really have no incentive for coronavirus um, to, to end, for the economy to rebound, unless you think that they actually give a fuck about lives, which is, which is questionable at best. So... A delayed election, I feel, would just delay this kind of political stalemate that we're in right now, which is which is odd. So the idea of a delayed election eh, gives me some kind of pause. Uh, not super stoked on it, um, but I just, I just don't want this shit to drag on anymore. Let's just get this election over with. Uh, whoever wins, wins. It's going to be pretty shitty either way. Um, but we will have, and I will be doing a show about this probably as soon as it happens, um, a vice presidential nominee for for Biden soon. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say this. I'm going to put this out there. I'm pretty sure it's Kamala Harris. I think it's Kamala Harris. She's corporate Democrat, exactly what they want, um, very pro-establishment. She checks all the diversity boxes. Um, she will have no real lasting change or reputation as far as that goes. Um, and, yeah, it, it, it does – it does a few things as far as like the way it looks and the way, and the way it seems, even though, uh, you know, she pretends to be progressive at times, but that's, you know, as we'll talk about down the road in the podcast, when it comes to military spending, uh, not really there, not really, not really hitting the mark, but we'll be getting into that down the road a little bit. Just want to give you a little tease, a little teaser, but anyways, let's move on. Let's get into, uh, let's get into the state of things. Dr. Stella Emmanuel, you beautiful, beautiful witch for the Lord. Dr. Emmanuel, the good witch. <laughs> All right, so we've got to get this thing going soon because every time I find this video of her, it's getting taken down. Everybody reposts it, gets taken down. Repost it, get taken down. Um, good thing the Twitter is still kind of the wild, wild west, even though that's getting um, quickly kind of hit the kibosh, the kiboshing uh, Twitter's freedom of speech. But... I want to go out here and say this one thing. I, I I think people should be able to share this without it getting taken down. I think it's unfortunate that it gets taken down. I would like to see the discussions and the comments. They're very entertaining for me. Um, and I really don't. I don't see the 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 benefit in in restraining this because the people that already have fucking ridiculous ideas about coronavirus cures and and what's going on as far as pandemics are concerned, they're already there. She's not going to convert anyone into this unless they're just you know, Darwin can sort that shit out, right? This is obnoxious, but I did find the video up once again, and let's play it real quick before it gets taken down again, as, as it surely will. This is Dr. Stella Emanuel from Houston, Texas, sharing her bit about COVID and the cure. 50 patients, it's not a lost one, not a diabetic, not a somebody with high blood pressure, not somebody with asthma, not an old person. We've not lost one patient. And on top of that, I've put myself, my staff, and many doctors that I know on hydroxychloroquine for prevention because by the very mechanism of action, it works early and as a prophylaxis. We see patients, 10 to 15 COVID patients every day. We give them breathing treatments. We only wear surgical masks. None of us has gotten sick. It works. So right now, I, I came here to Washington DC to say, America, nobody needs to die. I'm upset. Why I'm upset is that I see people that cannot breathe. 
I see parents walk in. I see diabetics sit in my office knowing that this is a death sentence and they can't breathe. And I hug them and I tell them, it's going to be okay, you're going to leave. And we treat them and they leave. None has died. So if some fake science, some person sponsored by all these fake pharma companies comes out and say, oh, we've done studies and they found out that it doesn't work, I can tell you categorically it's fake science. I want to know who is sponsoring that study. I want to know who is behind it. Because there is no way I can treat 350 patients and counting and nobody is dead and they all did better. Nobody needs to get sick. This virus has a cure. It is called hydroxychloroquine, zinc, and zitromax. I know people want to talk about masks. Hello? You don't need masks. There is a cure. I know they don't want to open schools. No, you don't need to, people to be locked down. There is prevention and there is a cure. If they come after me, they threaten me. They've threatened to, I mean, I've gotten all kinds of threats. Oh, they're going to report me to the bots. They're going to, I say, you know what? I don't care. I'm not going to let Americans die. And if this is the mount, if this is the hill where I get nailed on, I will get nailed on it. I don't care. You can report me to the bot, you can kill me, you can do whatever, but I'm not going to let Americans die. And today I'm here to say it, that America, there is a cure for COVID. All this foolishness is not, does not need to happen. There is a cure for COVID. There is a cure for COVID. It's called hydroxychloroquine, it's called zinc, it's called zitromax. All right, hydroxychloroquine, zinc, and vitromax, whatever the fuck that is. Now, me and old Dr. Emanuel here have some similar views on big pharma and big pharma study funding studies that confirms what they want to believe. We've seen this over and over again. I do not deny that she is onto something there. And just like anything that's always batshit crazy, there's usually a little nugget, a little seed of truth uh, hidden deep within the bullshit um, that we can suss out. Now, by all rights, maybe she's 1 million percent correct. Maybe she is, but she's, she, she's talking about how she's treated uh, 350 patients um, and hasn't lost one. So I just want to run some numbers by you. And I did some meathead math and just kind of looked this up. So we've got about 4.5 million confirmed cases um, as of last night and about 152,000 deaths. So the death rate is, if I'm, and correct me if I'm wrong, but around 3%. So if you look at that and you say she's treated 350 patients, that's about 0.008% of infected cases, which is a very small number. And that's not just done on a lot of people. So if the math is right, if it's, if, if just say it was equal across the board, um, and three out of every 100 people die from this, then she should have had around nine or 10, um, deaths, maybe 11. Right. And she hasn't, I don't think that that amount of data is really that statistically relevant. It's something to look at. It's something to think about. And maybe she, again, she's onto something here, but this whole board of doctors, this like frontline doctors, I think is what they call themselves, was a sim, uh, established 12 days before this incident or this situation. Uh, they had a website. They did the whole thing. The website has been taken down since then. I mean, it, it says that the, uh, I think they had a free, it seems like they had a free trial on Squarespace for 14 days and they just didn't pay for the actual, the actual thing to continue to go. Um, it's great about Squarespace is you can build a website in 14, you know, and have 14 days of free trial and then it goes away if you don't, you know, pay for it. Uh, so I don't know what the fuck is going on here. This is just, it's, but it's out there and it's, and people are going crazy to alt-right QAnon, uh, anti-vaxxers are going nuts over this lady. And I'm like, listen guys, and she's yelling about how Dr. Fauci's taking chloroquine and, and all these, uh, and everybody else in mainstream media is taking hydroxychloroquine and, and misleading the American public because no one can make money selling a cheap generic drug like hydroxychloroquine. I think zinc is seen is shown positive results especially in prevention of COVID. The funny fucking thing about this whole deal is we're talking about hydroxychloroquine. We're talking about whatever, zinc, all these other drugs, a vaccine. Not a motherfucking soul out here is talking about how you can prevent this. Vitamin D, vitamin C, getting in the sun, moving, making your lungs not shitty before you get COVID, right? Taking care of your health before you get a fucking disease. Like that's just how it goes. That's pretty straightforward. The best way to, to, to not die from diseases is to prevent them altogether by having a healthy immune system. That doesn't seem that controversial to me, yet it's not being spoken about very often at all. But one thing I wanted to highlight about this, now she posted this video, it got taken down, and she tweeted 
a really funny tweet. And this just gives you an idea of where we're going with this. She says, hello, Facebook, put my profile page and videos up on your computers. <laughs> Excuse me. Hello, Facebook, put back up my profile page and videos up on your up or your computers will start crashing till you do. You were not bigger that God. I think she meant than, than God. You are not bigger than God, I promise you. If my page is not back up, Facebook will be down in Jesus' name. Um, okay, so Jesus is going to come and take Facebook down because they brought down her posts. Now, that's, that's believe it or not, one of the uh, least crazy things that she's said in the past handful of years. She's also a minister, a very um, intense Christian minister. And she believes uh, that demons are responsible for ovarian cysts, miscarriages, uh, unhealthy marriages, financial problems, failure in general, usually has to do with a spirit husband or a spirit wife that is a demon. Okay, so let's just run through some other ways that demons can seduce you and steal your life force. Um, if you're a woman who wears pants, demon. Having sex in your dreams, demon. Fantasizing about celebrities sexually, demon. Dreaming about missing your period, demon. <laughs> Dreaming about shopping with a fantasy girlfriend or boyfriend, demon. Dreaming about breastfeeding, demon. Dreaming about getting married, Demon. In all of those scenarios, you are marrying or having sex with or having a child with a demon. And these demons can camouflage themselves. They can astral project. They can take on the aesthetic of whoever you're fantasizing about if you're having any kind of sexual fantasies about anybody. So if you are having sexual fantasies about me, be careful for anyone who looks like me that may come into your life. Maybe don't swipe right on them on Bumble or Tinder because they're almost certainly a demon. Um, now if you dress slutty with your tits out and your ass out and all that kind of fun stuff, you're inviting demons. You're just putting down a welcome mat to demons to come all up in, all up in you. And these demons, what they'll do is they are actually called Nephilim and they can take on the form of an incubus or a succubus. Incubus is, uh, the male form and a succubus is the female form. And what they'll do is they'll take on the succubus form have sex with a man, embody their sperm, take on the, or wait, they'll become the, yeah, have sex with a man, take on their sperm, then become the incubus form with that sperm and impregnate a woman. And that's happening all over the place, especially happening in the church. Cause I watched, I watched one of her sermons for an hour and got all this information. This is from one sermon. Now these Nephilim are actually re the results of fallen angels that were having sex with and breeding with um, the daughters of God. Uh, you can interpret that very, very a, a, a number of ways. There's a lot of ways you can look at how that how that uh, shakes out, <laughs> but that's how they came to be. And then you know this is this is pre-flood. This is pre. This is before God realized that He had kind of fucked up and was like, Hey Noah, put some family on this boat here and some animals because I'm about to fucking kill everybody. And it's like, yeah, the benevolent God was like, Yeah, I fucked up. He just like, took the took the magic eraser out and just fucking wiped away the human human race except for the one faithful family left around, which I would assume leads to some kind of incest um, in repopulating, is since the whole world was apparently flooded. Um, but you know, that's what people want to believe. So when I started researching this a little bit more, I remember thinking like, I know something I've heard something about a succubus before. I really feel like this is something I've learned about before and, uh, and, and have done some research on. So I actually searched it was digging in, digging into my own mind, finding things where I was like, where's the succubus from? And then I realized that I actually watched a documentary, a 30 minute documentary, um, on a succubus. And one of my favorite educators, one of the most influential teachers in my life, uh, Mr. Garrison, actually gave a really solid breakdown of what a succubus is. And we're going to play that for you right now. What's a succubus? A succubus is a woman sent from hell to suck the life out of a man. That's it! Yeah! Yeah, there's not much you can do about a succubus. Their evil power makes man blind to love. This is totally what's happening. Wow, you are <laughs> smart, Mr. Garrison. Yeah, I'll tell you, boys, women can kill. Poontang's expensive. That's why when it comes to chicks, I just screw them and leave them. I say, get out of my bedroom, Poontank, before you suck my life dry. Thanks, Mr. Garrison. Sure, kids. 
So if you find what yourself in a situation with a succubus, you just tell that poon tank to get out of your house before they suck your life dry. Oh, also, um, Dr. Emmanuel recommends that if you are having sex in a dream or having a baby in a dream or something like that, you should kill that person or that baby uh, because they are, as she said, a demon. So this is the person that people are taking advice from. Uh, okay. I mean, there's, there's more crazy things out there. I mean, shit, I've been going down the QAnon rabbit hole, and, and there's some there's some stuff out there. I mean, reptilians and, and uh, you know, demons. I, I mean, what, what, what if it's all true? What if it's all true? The, the moon is a space station um, with intelligent life form. It's actually a portal to the fifth dimension. Uh, there are fifth dimension demons trying to get back into the third dimension where we live because they want to experience life again. Um, you know, it, it, maybe it is. What if in two years we got fucking aliens down here? We've got demons walking around. Everybody's exposed. Hillary Clinton turns into a full on fucking iguana and just that's just what happens. I mean, that's why not? Why the fuck not? Things are so fucking crazy right now. And this is just, you know what? It's wild. But this is where we're at. This is where we're at. So one of Dr. Emanuel's uh, suggestions is that we make hydroxychloroquine over the counter. Uh, and you know what? I'm for it. I'm for it. Fuck double blinds. Fuck science. Fuck double blind studies. Fuck any of that shit. Let's just go ahead and just make it over the counter. And then all these MAGA dipshits can fucking take it. See if it works. If it works, great. If it doesn't, okay. But why not? Why not? She claims it's a cure. She claims that she'll be gone in a month. Make that shit over the counter. I just let's just roll the fucking dice. What are we waiting for? What are we waiting for? Why does anybody care anymore? Like this is such a partisan political fucking dumpster fire. And here we are pretending like we give a shit. Why? Make it over the counter. I'm with her. Dr. Emmanuel, you've got my vote. Let's do it. Roll the fucking roll the fucking dice 2021. That's what I'm saying. That's my platform. Got to break a few eggs to make an omelet. Let's move on. Twitter has banned 7,000 Q loyalists, also known as Anons. 7,000 accounts suspended or just deleted. Gone. Boom. Now, they they use this reasoning for getting rid of these, getting rid of these accounts. They were engaging in violations of our multi-account policy, coordinating abuse around divisional individual victims or are attempting to evade a previous suspension. So they're making multiple accounts. They're um, eliciting violence in a lot of ways. And they have a point. They have a point. And this brings up a broader kind of question about what social media's role in our world is. Is it... A private company, I mean, it is now technically a private company that can really use whatever systems they want to use to quiet whatever wishes they want because it's a fucking private company. I can't walk into a grocery store and be like, hey, everybody, anybody want to see my dick? I can't do that. They would kick me out. And I'd be like, that. well, what about freedom of speech? Like, I can't, I can't do that. I can't just, you know, yell some profanities at like a, a woman walking down the street. I can't do that. Is the, you know, I don't feel any less free for not being able to do that. I guess maybe if you have a compulsion to show people your dick in grocery stores, you might feel personally attacked um, by laws. But we have to have this broader conversation about what social media is in our time. Is it an essential public forum? And that raises some questions. It really does. So this thing is, is getting really, really sketchy now. It also announced that it would be preventing URLs associated with QAnon from being shared on the platform, as well as banning content associated with QAnon from appearing in its trending session. So what or trending section, excuse me. So what they're saying basically there is that they're going to suppress the content. And this is a really, this is a thing that they've, they've actually claimed Twitter and other social media platforms claim that they don't suppress content. It's like, well, if it's not going anywhere, that's because nobody wants to see it. They've said that multiple times. That's obviously not true. I'm shadow banned on fucking TikTok, and that sucks because it was go it was going really well. You know, 30, 40, 50,000 views a video, over 2 million on one, like things are happening, and all of a sudden, boom, crickets, crickets. And it's like, well, I got reported for making fun of Christians. So sue me. Um, is that a violation of my free speech? Yeah, I, I, I believe so personally because that personally affects me, uh, and I didn't violate any community guidelines from what I can understand, but people report it. It's an algorithm. It's not a real person over there being like, fuck this guy. It's an algorithm that says like, oh, you got reported three times. So see ya. 
and they don't give a fuck. Like they don't really care. The content on those platforms does not belong to you. It belongs to them. There's a deeper philosophical question here is like, where is this going to go? Is this our public square now? Is this what that is? It seems to be going that direction, but do we need government oversight of such things? I don't know. Now these, these QAnon people, these Anons are a little bit out there and they also love, it really, it really helps them when they're victimized. Right? When they feel victimized, it confirms their already existing beliefs. That's the danger of this whole thing. One, you give you know, right-wing whoever, Tucker Carlson, Sean Hannity, Charlie Kirk, something to talk about. Right, It's like, well, look at them censoring right-wing voices here. And it's like, well, they're fucking crazy people, so that's a different conversation altogether. But do they have a right to speak? Maybe. I don't know. Um, but it gives them something to talk about, and it also confirms the suspicion that they're onto something. Because these global elites that own... You know, Twitter and Facebook and 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 most tech companies are a part of the, this this satanic cabal that is now funneling children um, from wherever, and and using it in their satanic cults and drinking blood and all this other stuff to get adrenochrome. I know way too much about this now, and I'm only learning more, which actually fucking scares me. Uh, so, it's been really interesting to see the right wing and especially the far right take on this victim mindset around Twitter, but I only, around censorship in general, really, but I only think it makes them stronger. You don't put these people out. Like you had 4chan where they started, right? This kind of right wing, very simple forum. And then 8chan and now these other chans that are just coming out and and people doing more and more sharing. You don't really get rid of them. They just push them to a different platform and then further embolden them to take more action. It confirms their suspicions and confirms their beliefs, and you're only playing into that narrative by suspending these accounts. Now, if someone has multiple accounts and they have a policy against that, boom, only only leave them one, right? But is it dangerous? I guess, yeah. I mean, someone did walk into a fucking pizza store and start, you know, shooting. That's fucking crazy. And that person only got four years in jail, by the way. I realized that the other day. That's pretty fucking wild. And they also argue that Antifa, right, the far left version of the alt-right, doesn't get the same treatment. And I think there's a lot that goes into this, right? It's funny how the far right and the kind of this like free market group of people that believe that capitalism is equivalent of God and that it will solve all of our problems if we just allow it to do its thing, which is incredibly naive, right? It's just incredibly naive and and, and silly to think that. That, that. that makes no sense. And that argument can be dismantled easily, um, which I'm sure I will do on this show at some point. But you got to think that most people on social media, just from a capitalist perspective, right? These people are so pro-capitalism, so free market. These private companies are going to do what they need to do to get positive PR so that people stay on their platform. They want a healthy amount of outrage because that drives engagement, that drives more people to the platform so they can find a way to be outraged. That's kind of what news is now is just outrage stacked on outrage. Um, and most of it is fucking bullshit, right? This whole fake news narrative isn't completely fake. <laughs> it's, it goes, it gets pretty hairy, but I still think that like these Antifa people, right. That are, that they would, they would argue are inciting violence as well and riots and whatever else that's going on. We have very little accurate information as to what's going on, but I can say that Antifa has murdered zero people in 25 years right? Are they dangerous? Could it happen? Absolutely. Are they explicitly inciting violence? Are they calling for Chrissy Teigen to be pulled out of her house and hung? No, that's, that's against community guidelines. Like you can't do that or say that, but these are the kind of things people are saying. They're also saying that Oprah was arrested and that she admitted to uh, sexually abusing children. And they're like, Oh, look at this link and see what she has to say. The, the, that conclusion was so fucking weird and so thin. Like I've said the same shit that Oprah said in that video that everybody's so so like up in arms about because it's fucking true. And and, and I'm not gonna play it or, or even go into it too much here. But this idea that these people just like they have such a lack of critical thinking, right? They don't seek to to disconfirm their beliefs, right? Your beliefs are not strong if you do not seek to disconfirm them. If you, if your beliefs are unfalsifiable, 
Right? If they're so out there that they're unfalsifiable, then that's just not a way to develop a theory of any kind. It's by definition unscientific. And if you can't seek ways to dismantle your own argument internally, in your own mind, that's, that's what critical thinking is, well, then it's really hard to expect anybody else who's not right in alignment with your fucking crazy nonsense to believe you or to, or to, or to go about this thing in a pragmatic way. And the funny thing is, there are some nuggets of truth, right? With all this bullshit, there's nuggets of truth in all of it. I mean, I don't want to say all of it because the Wayfair thing just seems fucking stupid, but it, it's just, I don't understand what, what ends Twitter is trying to get to by doing this. It is good PR and it is an election year and they put out so much ridiculous and I would, I would agree that it is dangerous stuff, but is it their role to center speech in that way? Is there a better way they could have gone about it? And once they, this is a slippery, slippery slope when you start banning and suppressing accounts and suppressing topics, which they, we know they've already done in the past and it has influenced decision-making influenced elections. And it's something that Russia figured out works. It's like America created these outrage machines and then Russia's like, well, we're just going to take advantage of this. Like, why wouldn't they? If I was Russia, I would do the same thing. Like, we've interfered in international elections all the time. We topple fucking regimes on a regular basis. That's what the CIA fucking is for. So to think that Russia's not influencing us with our social media is incredibly naive. And to think that Russia isn't using QAnon for that is even more naive. That's a, that's a breeding ground for fucking nonsense that'll go viral as fuck. And we're going to get more into QAnon and more into what's going on as time goes on here, as I've said. But when you think about the fact that President Trump has retweeted or quote tweeted QAnon over 180 times, I mean, you're talking about just a complete fucking shit show here. The President of the United States is, is retweeting baseless conspiracy theories about lizard people. So, I don't, I, I, this is just such, this is just so crazy because there's some, some like, I'm sure there's a deep state and people really pulling the strings and, and, and global elites uh, influencing all kinds of politics and all kinds of policy for their own benefit. Do I want to go as far as to say they have a massive pedophile ring and they're drinking children's blood? Like, I just, I don't, I, I don't know how you get from one to the other. And, I don't think that this is going to be a bad thing for Twitter in the long run, but I also don't want voices that are criticizing the establishment like mine, like Kyle Kalinske, like Jimmy Dore, like Crystal Ball and Sagar and Jetty, like these guys, I don't want them to then fall victim to the same bullshit because now we've set a precedent of if you say something that's countercultural or contrary to the public belief system, you have the possibility of being banned or deplatformed. And this, I, I, this is why when the Alex Jones thing happened, I think it was in like 2018, Alex Jones got banned from Twitter, Facebook, and uh, YouTube. Uh, and even now, if I post videos with Alex Jones in them or something like that, like it, they're clearly suppressed. Like They have a fucking Alex Jones algorithm in there that just picks up his crazy voice. And when they hear Alex Jones say, you know, the globalists, like that whole thing, um, it's like they just suppress the content. They, and it's, it's scary because that is our outlet for free speech today. So it's, it's a double-edged sword and it really does scare me. But what's happening is you, you, you cut the head off of this thing, right? Maybe Twitter was their breeding ground. That was their big place to get attention. Well, then they just moved to TikTok, right? TikTok is a Chinese company. They have no, they have no vested interest in, um, in fucking, uh, America not being in turmoil, right? So they moved to TikTok and what young, and this is particularly with young kids, what they've said about, about QAnon style conspiracy theories is that it's basically a, a social media cheat code. It's easy to get a ton of attention very quickly. Now, so you combine the validation that comes with countercultural thinking in a time like now, which this is all kind of blown up since coronavirus started, right? Because there's now it's just a breeding ground for conspiracy theories on top of people say they're under 25, um, that have a way to obtain energy, uh, uh, an attention and an audience quickly by spouting conspiracy theories, that's a dangerous combination. And with something like TikTok, who, who has the most viral, I would say, capacity for virality, right? Things can just go on there. Like the one time that I went viral on TikTok before I was shadow banned, I mean, you're talking a couple hundred thousand views in less than 24 hours. With it less than a week, you're talking two point some odd million, right? And it just went crazy. Because I was making fun of Joe Biden in a way, in a time 
that was very kind of ripe for making fun of Joe, fun of Joe Biden. He was sticking his foot in his mouth every fucking five minutes. Um, so you do the same thing here. This is a big topic now. It's all over social media, and now you've given young the younger generations, the the Gen um, Gen Z, I guess, uh, given them a way to gain attention quickly by promoting ridiculous ideas, and in a way, it's it's elongating and really deepening the strength of this movement. Super interesting to get into, but I don't think I think leaving them on Twitter was probably the best place for them because now they're just going to divert and find other ways to share their message. And it is really, really fucking scary. And again, it just reinforces, it just reinforces their narrative that global elites are running shit and that they are anti-freedom, uh, pro pedophilia and drinking children's blood and they're lizards. Um, so it's, <laughs> I mean, there's some crazy shit here and, and I, I'm just continually just baffled by what's going on, but this is a this is an interesting time, interesting time. I mean, to think that the president of the United States is retweeting conspiracy theories is just odd. It's odd, and it's embarrassing. I mean, this is this is one of the reasons. Like, I've seriously considered moving out of the United States. Like, I can do this podcast from anywhere. I can do anything I do from pretty much anywhere. Time zones are really the only restriction. Why not go live somewhere else? Like, I think there is going to be a massive exodus from the United States. Because what is there here? Like, what are we doing? Our tax money is going to, to, to wars constantly. Like, the majority of our discretionary spending, which we're going to talk about soon, um, goes to military budgets. Like, I, I, it feels like we choose, you know, war over health care 100% of the time. And that's odd to me. It, it, I don't like seeing the money that I put into the government go in that direction. Like, my, you know, little $9,000 tax bill, it's like, well... A substantial amount, a third of that is going to the military. I just don't really, I would rather go somewhere else. And I would rather live in a country where there is a, a level of, of, of intellectual honesty, perhaps, that, that puts us in a place where we can, can grow and have civil dialogue. And there's always going to be crazies on both sides. I understand that. But is censoring the best way to go about it? I just don't, I just don't think so. I don't think so. And even having this discussion, like these last two, these last two segments about, um, you know, countercultural ideas about coronavirus, or or even putting QAnon, saying QAnon in the video, I fully, I fully expect for it to be to be suppressed on all social media outlets. And that's to me unfortunate. Um, but fuck, man, we'll see. And that's one thing I, I I love podcasts for the fact that it's kind of the wild west, right? Like it is one of the rare places where we can kind of say what we want to say, put it all out there, have, you know, hour long discussions, or in this case, an hour long conversation of me talking to myself and looking into a camera uh, <laughs> and reading off kind of what's going on in the world. But that's really, I don't think of another place that that's, that's accessible. And the barrier to entry to listen to a two hour long conversation um, is high. There's a lot of time in that. It's a lot easier to just punch headlines and retweet things and 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 not really do a much investigation and, and it's kind of created an environment that is not only lacking critical thinking but is kind of opposed to critical thinking and self-observation so a lot to think about there but I, I, seven thousand users gone and and counting it's going to continue to go and, and they've taken some taken some creative methods to um to make sure that they've they can they can still share their stuff but i'm sure that will be a Cracking down on it soon. We'll see. Okay, let's talk about some political fuckery here. So Bernie Sanders, my boy, presented a plan, a nice plan, a plan that I thought was muy bueno, muy bueno plan. Wanted to divert 10% of the Pentagon budget, so some of our, our discretionary spending that goes to um, military uses and military contractors, wanted to divert that into education and housing, basically divert that 10% into um, human needs, is what he said. That's, that's, that's a pretty broad statement, but it seems well-intentioned, right? So let's just put a little, uh, let's put some numeric value to what 10% of the current, um, the current fucking Pentagon budget is. So their budget's around $740 billion, $740 billion. So 10% of that, $74 billion. 
What can you do with $74 billion? The answer is a fuck ton. We can do a lot with $74 billion. And not to mention, you know, we are in a handful of wars around the world right now that we don't hear about. Um, but this isn't necessarily a war time. You know, unless you're Donald Trump and you think we're at a war with the radical left, maybe, I guess, but not something you need to be paying Boeing and, and Lockheed Martin uh, to create bombers and amphibious boats and God knows what uh, to fight. That's not really the kind of war that we're in right now. But we are in a pandemic and an ep- economic crisis. So you would think that diverting 10% of the Pentagon budget towards human needs would be a no-brainer. You think that makes a ton of sense, right? Like that that that's just pragmatism. But no, it was shot down 23 to 77, which means it had um bipartisan rejection. One of the people who rejected this was likely vice presidential nominee Kamala Harris, the pretend progressive. The token black chick of the establishment left. So, what you've seen here over the last, I don't know, since the since the, the Clinton era, Clinton was kind of the like the poster child for corporate Democrats, is that we essentially don't have a left in this country anymore. We don't have a left wing of any party. What I believe is that we need a, a, an actual left and an actual right. Um, and I think that creates balance. But what we have is a Democratic Party that is center maybe even center right on some on some uh, policies such as military spending and wars and pharmaceuticals um, and healthcare. And then you have a right right, which is the Republican Party. Uh, the Venn diagram between Democrats and Republicans, despite popular belief, is is almost overlapping. There's very few things. Now, what I will say is that um, Republicans kind of virtue signal to their people in their own way uh, and Democrats virtue, sig- virtue signal to their own constituents in their own way. But for the majority of the time, they, they, they're on the same page. The, if you look at what has bipartisan support, it's um, things regarding health care, which is just amazing, just amazing in the United States, of course, uh, especially for, you know, the richest country in the world, um, and war, right? It's pretty much on the same page. I mean, you have a Joe Biden-type character who's was pro the war in Afghanistan, like it's going on, or the Iraq war, excuse me, and, um, and you know, just generally a, a pro-war guy. That's the kind of people that we have uh, that represent the Democratic Party. So what's really interesting is what happened next. Now, when the Republicans um, brought to light their next stimulus package, it included $30 billion more dollars for the Pentagon and $8 billion for weapon systems within that 30 million. So 8 billion of that 30 million was for weapon systems, which essentially, which essentially is going to be funneled into military contractors, the people that are building bombers, jets, amphibious vehicles, whatever stuff for the military, because that's what we need to be focused on right now. Um, a quote from Alyssa Pettis, the press secretary for the Senate Appropriations Committee says the pandemic continues to threaten the defense industry base and thousands of vulnerable suppliers across the country who support it, a.k.a. military contractors. So this is all happening while they're doing their damnedest. They're doing their best. They're giving everything they've, everything they've got to deny unemployment benefits. So in the same breath, they say the Pentagon needs $30 billion more in defense spending which includes $8 billion for weapon systems for military contractors. And we're also not going to, you know, supply any unemployment benefits. <sighs> That's the GOP, dude. That's the GOP. And what the funny thing is here is that we have this discretionary budget, right? It gets kind of fractioned out. The majority of it is spent on defense. But if you poll Americans and you, who, who do you, who thinks that that's a good way to go about it? Really? Like, what are the numbers there? I'm really, really confused. I, I just, I rack my brain thinking why, but then I'm like the fucking defense contractor lobby. Those lobbyists are so powerful and so ruthless. It's just some Dick Cheney era bullshit. 
and we're still holding on to it. Like this stuff has got to change. We're attached to this idea that God fucking, I would say kind of calcified around Vietnam and then even further kind of solidified itself through the cold war. I just, why inflate an already bloated budget? Why? And it, maybe if we were just living in such abundance and poverty had a ha- we had a handle on poverty and our middle class wasn't shrieking and the, and the wealth inequality wasn't just going out of control more and more through coronavirus, by the way, because volatile markets make for great great places to make money quickly. Um, but yeah, I just this is fucking absurd, absurd. Now the Democrats said this is a non-starter; they're not even going to go. They're not. They're not even going to vote on this. We're going to have to do some serious negotiations. But this is their starting point. This is what they prioritized. This is what they want. So you can't think it's going to go in there and they're going to have a negotiation starting at $30 billion and take that down to zero or divert that $30 billion elsewhere out of a $1 trillion stimulus package. That's just not going to happen. But this is, I don't understand. The land of the free my ass. This is fucking absurd. This is fucking absurd. We've, we've bought into this American imperialism, uh, American imperialism na- narrative for way too long. And the majority of people on the left and right, the actual people of this country, do not support this. Do not. I mean, I would, I would venture to say, and I'd love to see the stats on this, but I'm just going to go off the cuff here and say there are way more people that support Medicare for all than support increased military spending. I, I just, I, I, This is just baffles me. Baffles me. But it's worth talking about. It's worth putting out there. And it's worth keeping an eye on. So keep an eye on it. And with that being said, you know what's next. I'm going to give you something to think about. Oh, yeah. Something to think about. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the further I get into a show, the more kooky I get. And I love it. I love it. So something to think about is the transformation of the left into a bunch of intolerant pussies. That is what we're talking about today. Now, there were a time, there was a time when liberals... Let's just say Democrats in general, but liberals would laugh. They would laugh at, at the Republicans. They would say, oh, these people are so silly and so intolerant. These people want abstinence-only education. They want to teach crea- don't want to teach evolution in schools. They want purely creationism. They don't think that gay marriage should be legal. And we would just sit back on our little intellectual high horses and say, ha ha, silly, silly, silly Republicans. They're so behind the times. They're on the wrong side of history. Huh. And just scoff. That's what liberals did. That was the Bush era stuff. I mean, Bush ran in his first term on, on gay marriage and, and being very, very anti-gay marriage. Very interesting stuff. But, oh, how the tables have turned. Now, let's not say that the Republicans have gotten any more rational. But I will say that the Democrats have gotten much less rational. The party of the people, once upon a time, has now been dismantled. <laughs> Broken down and beaten into a just group of virtue signaling cowards that try to hide behind this shield, this shield of 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 intellectual virtue, really. I mean, the word virtue just keeps coming up here because what the fuck is this? What the fuck is this? The party of the people has now become the party that wants to police speech. The level, the level of, of liberal intolerance has reared its ugly head in the form of cancel culture and anti-racism philosophy that is more similar to what the Nazis believed than what was preached by Martin Luther King. That's where we're at. These narratives are dangerous. And then to, 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 to top it all off, 
we've got a candidate, a Democratic candidate for president, who was influential in the crime bill, which decimated black communities, and was hoodwinkled into the war in Iraq by George W. Bush. Can you imagine George W. Bush hoodwinkling anybody? But this is the man, that's the Democratic candidate, for the President of the United States, Joe Biden. And now in order to remedy all of his past sins, commits to a woman, most likely a woman of color, most likely a black woman, most likely Kamala Harris, as his VP. That way he can identity politics himself into people forgetting what he's done to damage this country. He's run for president twice before and uh, wasn't the candidate because he's not a good candidate. And somehow things have changed. Somehow in his old age, in, in his cognitive decline, he's become a better candidate apparently. He's become a pioneer for social justice. A, a symbol of the return to normalcy that we all seek. That's Joe Biden. So what is the result of this? And I've, I've noted this about myself several times. The lunacy on the left has pushed people to the center, to the right, and out of the Democratic Party. I am not. I'm a registered Democrat because I wanted to you know, vote in the Democratic primary. Uh, and I wasn't sure if it was an open primary or not when I registered for my license and all that kind of stuff. But, um, well, for sure, change that registration to unaffiliated. One million percent. And for people I've spoken to who are logical, pragmatic thinkers on the left, they're just pushing us right. Now, the lunacy on the right is pushing people left, and it's pushing more people to the center. That might be the silver lining of this entire situation. Cancel culture and white fragility... Um, and this push and this continual moving of the woke goalposts. There's so little clarity, so little focus, and so little cohesion that it leaves everybody confused and frustrated. And then you combine that with an economic crisis and a pandemic, and here we are. The majority of people, I would venture to say, are fucking fed up with this. If you're one of those people, please reach out and let me know. This is something that I've, I've been considering and thinking about forever. Now, when I look at this, and I, and I try and do my best to, to backtrack and see where this started, because I see a calcification around the right. The right just stays where they are for the most part, and people have started to jump ship slowly. Um, but I look back at the opportunities we've had for real change in the past handful of years since I've really been involved with politics and the clear corruption on the side of the democratic national convention or national committee and, and the mainstream media in essentially colluding to make sure that Hillary Clinton was the nominee was a step in the direction of many of us losing faith in our political system, challenging democracy and showing us, rubbing in our noses in the fact that they have complete influence on what the definition of democracy is, serves no purpose but to have people lose faith in the system that is the foundation of American politics. So, what does this do media-wise? What does this do as far as the aesthetics of our situation? This continual fuckery gives QAnon, gives Tucker Carlson, gives Sean Hannity, and everybody over at Fox News and any, any right-wing pundit that decides to open their mouth, something to talk about. And it's not things, it's not fabrications, and not, not that they're, not that they're um, too moral, not that they're morally obligated to stick to the facts or not fabricate. But what they have to share is, 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 is true. What they say about the Democratic Party is mostly true. Now, do I think that the far left is influencing Joe Biden's policies and that you know, somehow he's become a progressive in the past six months? No, that's fucking silly. That, that's, that's election fodder. That's not, there will be no policies 
um, of substance that, that align with progressive politics. That's just not going to happen. That is a, that is a narrative on the right. But when the corruption and the collusion <laughs> to get certain candidates, to circumvent democracy, to get certain candidates in the positions that they want them in, that becomes a stellar narrative for the right and further calcifies their movement. No one can blame anyone for losing faith in the Democratic Party. So where do we go from here? Where do I see this going in the future? I hope, I hope, and this will give me some faith in our system again, that this level of bullshit dismantles the two-party system. Most people now are seeking other options. And you have people like Brett Weinstein, uh, Weinstein, excuse me, putting together something like Unity 2020, which is an agreed-upon uh, candidacy between somebody who's center-right and center-left that will switch off between president and vice president every four years and the running until either they are out of office uh, due to term limits or uh, somebody else has voted in. Incredibly pragmatic. It's a possibility. Will it happen in 2020? Very unlikely. Could it happen in 2024 with four more years momentum? Very much so. And I would be 1 million percent on board with that. I'm on board with it right now. They can get it together. But I think the factioning, I think the two-party system is being splintered. And it's one of the reasons that I, if there's a reason that I hope Joe Biden doesn't get elected and that we get four more years of Trump, it's not because I think Trump's a good candidate. I don't think he's a good president. I don't think he's a good person. But the level of mobilization, the level of questioning, whether it leads you to QAnon or Antifa or more like the people that are likely listening to this show to a level of confusion and being forced to consider your options seriously. I think that it actually pushes us in a positive direction. I think 50 years from now, the level of mobilization and the level of critical thinking that's been kind of forced upon us due to our lack of faith in our, in our current system will yield new possibilities or we can all fucking leave, go work somewhere else because everything's online now. <laughs> no, but I think, I think where we go from here is, is a really valuable question to ask. And you've got to think about this in long-term results. Do you think 50 years from now will be better if we go back to the way things have been? Or do you think 50 years from now will be better if four more years of Trump breaks this whole thing to pieces? Mobilize and strategize. Consider all options and not what makes you feel good. This isn't about what makes you feel good. Trump is by no means a savior. Biden is by no means a savior. But don't overlook the possibilities of what a fuck ton of unhappy people who have lost faith in the system that is supposed to serve them can do. Something to think about. Something to think about. Well, y'all, this has been fun as always. Glad to be back. If you have any topics you want me to cover, anything you want me to dive into, if you have something you want me to think about, find me on Instagram at Connor Wanders. Make sure to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Go find me on YouTube. I love YouTube. Hope they don't censor me. I don't want to get banned. Don't ban me, YouTube. All right, y'all. Keep your head on straight. We'll see you next time.
the succubus. 